the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. And the point of these verses is to say that one can know if he's really saved and one can have the assurance of his salvation by evaluating his life in terms of the way that he responds to Christians. Because real Christians, those who are really born again, respond in love to other Christians the way Christ demonstrated love. As a missionary, I traveled several times a year. One of the things I've noticed while waiting at the airport gate area is the two different types of behavior demonstrated by the waiting passengers. Some wait patiently and calmly, or else they stroll around visiting shops while waiting for their boarding call. But it seems like most passengers crowd the gate as if there are not enough seats, and they don't quite seem to believe that they really do have one reserved for them. If they would look at the boarding pass, it should tell them their exact seat, and somewhere they should see the word, Confirmed. Hi, you're listening to Verse by Verse, a radio class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is leading us in a series of lessons from 1 John about how to recognize the children of God. Do you know for sure whether or not you have eternal life? Like the milling passengers at the boarding gate, many or maybe most Christians are unaware of the simple tests in the Bible that we can use to confirm our reservations for the kingdom of God. In 1 John, the Apostle described three simple tests. One is a correct understanding of who Jesus is and what He did for us. Another is a change in our lifestyle and morality. And the third is our love for other Christians. And John is not the only Apostle who noted the difference. Here's Pastor Steve with more. One of the very first changes that a new believer in Christ notices in his life is that he has a different attitude towards people. He no longer has hatred in his heart towards others. He no longer looks, with, uh, looks down upon people with disdain and malice. He no longer is envious of others like he used to be. Instead, he begins to have a genuine concern and interest in other people. And this change of heart from self-centered hatred of others to Christ-centered consideration for others is precisely what the Bible says happens to everyone who has experienced the grace of God in salvation. I'd like you to see this, Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, notice what Paul says about what we once were. He says in verse 1 of chapter 3, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Now he says, this is what you need to be. And then notice what he says about what we used to be in verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, 
disobedience, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hating one another. Now, concerning the truth that non-Christians do, as Paul said, hate one another, and they are hateful, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones had this to say. He said, this is the life of the world. I need not press it. Is it not true? Listen to people's conversations. You don't know them, but listen to them as they are talking about somebody else. Listen to the spite and the malice and the envy. Look at their eyes, he writes. There's murder in them. They may not actually commit murder, but the principle is there. I'm not condemning such poor people. I'm, I feel sorry for them. Look at the faces of the people who are always criticizing somebody else. Look at them. They cannot see themselves. That is the tragedy. If only they saw the ugliness and the venom. Now, folks, what Paul told Titus about the unsaved of his day was true of all of us before we came to faith in Christ. We hated others and we were hateful. But then we came to faith. We came to Christ. We received a brand new nature, a divine nature, a nature that loves other people. And though at times we may and we do struggle with the sins of envy and hate, it no longer characterizes us. It no longer is what really describes us. Instead, the Bible says that we are now characterized by loving others, especially our fellow believers in Christ. In fact, Jesus said that loving other Christians is the primary mark that distinguishes us as Christians. Where did he say that? Let's look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13, this is that upper room discourse, his farewell address. He said in chapter 13, starting at verse 33, little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I say also to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now notice this, verse 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, Jesus said that all men would know that we are his followers because we follow him in loving others. We follow him in loving others, especially those who belong to him. That is to say that the mark of a Christian, as Jesus said, the world can legitimately look at us and judge us to see if we are really Christ's disciples based on do we love one another? Do we love other Christians? Now, this doesn't mean that our love is going to be perfect like his, but at least we ought to be in the ballpark. It ought to characterize us that we love other Christians. Now, on the night that Jesus said these words, the apostle John was there. This took place at the Passover meal. John was there. He heard the Lord speak about love being the primary mark, the primary label that tells the world that we belong to him. But many years later, John wrote a letter, the letter we've been studying called 1 John. And in this letter, John emphasized that love wasn't just a mark that tells unbelievers who the real Christians are. But John has written us a letter telling us that love is also the mark 
that tells Christians that they are really and truly saved. In other words, by evaluating our lives and looking to see if we love other Christians, John said, you can know if you're really a Christian. The primary place that John teaches this in his first letter is the passage we're studying. It's 1 John chapter 3, and I want to read to you verses 11 through 19. We'll not deal with all these verses, but this is the section. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. Now, in these verses, Jesus makes a clear distinction between the unsaved, who he describes as being of the evil one, abiding in death. He says the unsaved are those who are murderers. In other words, they are children of Satan. So he he makes a distinction between the unsaved who are children of Satan and the saved who are children of God, who he says love the brethren. And they demonstrate this love of the brethren by opening their hearts of compassion to give sacrificially to meet specific needs of their fellow believers. And the point of these verses is to say that one can know if he's really saved and one can have the assurance of his salvation by evaluating his life in terms of the way that he responds to Christians. Because real Christians... Those who are really born again respond in love to other Christians the way Christ demonstrated love. That is to say, they lay down their lives for them. Not necessarily dying for them, but as they live, they live sacrificially to help other Christians. And the unsaved, he said, the children of the devil reveal their true nature by responding the way their father, Satan, feels about Christians. He hates them. And they hate them. Now, the way John conveys the truth that all genuine Christians love their fellow Christians is by giving us three important truths concerning love. We're only going to look at the first one. We actually touched on this last week, but it could only be very brief because of uh, the observance of the Lord's Supper and the baptisms. So I want to explore it a little bit more. And the first truth about love is this children of the devil. In contrast to God's children, John writes, they hate genuine believers. They don't love them. They're not neutral. They hate them. Children of the devil, in contrast to God's children, hate genuine believers. Verse 11, for this is the message which you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. From the very start, John says, of our Christian lives, which he calls the beginning. He doesn't mean the beginning of time. He means the beginning of your Christian experience, my Christian experience. We were aware that God wanted us to love 
other believers. And we were aware of this because this is one of the key truths that, that Jesus emphasized in his ministry. John is saying, if you know anything about Christ, you know that Christ told us to love one another. Now, where would we have learned this? Where would we have learned this? All throughout Christ's ministry, but it may very well be that John is referring to John chapter 13. Let's go back there because John chapter 13 has so much to say concerning loving one another. Now, John 13, as I said, is the upper room discourse. It was given the night that Christ was betrayed. All this takes place just a few hours before what we are studying from Matthew chapter 26. Now, knowing that he would no longer be physically present with his disciples, Jesus in John chapter 13 set an example of love that they would never forget. Notice verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, meaning his hour of his death had come, and that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, when John says he loved them to the end, he doesn't simply mean that he he loved them right up to the end, though that's true. But the thought here is that he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them to perfection. In other words, he loved them with God's perfect love. And then our Lord demonstrated this divine love to his disciples. One aspect, one demonstration of how much he loved them. Notice verses 3 and following. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. What an incredible scene. The great God of the universe humbling himself to lovingly wash the filthy feet of his disciples because they were going to they were going to eat. Normally the slave of the home would wash the guests feet because people recline when they were eating. So you certainly wanted those little tootsies clean. You didn't want them filthy feet by you, but there was no one who volunteered of the disciples to love and humble themselves enough to wash one another's feet. So Christ did it. Amazing display of humility and love. John proceeds, John tells us about this, and then John, in chapter 13, proceeds to reveal that there was a discussion Jesus had. We've gone over this in the morning messages. A discussion Jesus had with his disciples, telling them that one of you will betray me. And then they go back and forth, Lord, is it I, is it I? And that discussion takes place here in John chapter 13. Then we're told that Judas leaves the Passover meal. And then John, as soon as Judas leaves, John goes right back to telling us about Jesus speaking concerning the example he had set for them by humbly serving them in love. So this is really a continuation of the demonstration of love. We pick it up in verse 31. Now, when he had gone out, meaning Judas, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, and here's what we said before, 
I am with you a little while longer. You'll seek me, as I said to the Jews. Now I also say to you where I'm going, you cannot come. Then he says in verse 34, he gives them a new commandment. They ought to love one another. He says in verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. But notice as you go back, notice what he says in verse 13. Actually, we'll look at verse 12. Now, when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now, I don't think that this is a command for us to, to literally wash one another's feet. That was very cultural, fitting into what I said before, how they reclined and they needed to have feet cleaned uh, while they were, were eating, lest someone's filthy feet be in, be in someone's face. But I do think the principle is this. Jesus, when you put all these verses together about he loved them with perfect love, then he taught them about loving one another, being the mark of, the, of a Christian, and then he had demonstrated his love by humbling himself. I think the point is, is Jesus is saying, as I have loved you by humbling myself and serving you, and demonstrating a concern for you, that's what you're to do in my absence. I'm no longer going to be here to do this for you. You need to love one another. You need to care for one another. So right from the very beginning, John tells us, of our Christian lives, we have been told from passages like this that we are to love each other as the Master has loved us. And loving each other is to be an essential part of our lives. Listen, that's why the New Testament, not just here, but the New Testament speaks so much about love. And let me just remind you, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is not isolated. It isn't just a statement about love. It's Paul telling the very self-centered Corinthians who were using their spiritual gifts to draw attention to themselves. That's not the way you do it. You have been given a spiritual gift to serve others in love. And so when he says in chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag, it's not arrogant. He's saying as you use your gift, don't, gifts, don't boast about it, but be kind to one another. Don't be jealous that someone has one gift and you don't have their gift. Don't be arrogant that you have a gift that they don't have. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is actually about, serving one another in love. And let me show you another critical passage, Ephesians chapter 4. All this to show you that, that loving one another is an essential part of the Christian life. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 25, Paul tells us, now that we've come into the Christian life, what behavior we ought to put off and what behavior we ought to put on. And notice how he tells us how to relate to one another. All this is about love, because he'll tell us that in chapter 5. Starting in verse 25 of chapter 4, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Speak truth to one another, he says. 
verse 28. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. You love the brethren, you speak the truth to them. You love the brethren, you share from your earnings. Verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. You love the brethren, speak words of edification. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And then notice what Paul immediately says, therefore be imitators of God and as his beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. The point of this is that Paul is saying that these are some tangible ways that we can imitate God in loving one another. If we love one another, we speak truth to one another. If we love one another, we share from our hard-earned work. The money we make, we share with others to minister to them. If we love one another, we speak words of edification to them. If we love one another, we forgive one another. All of this is the demonstration of love. Folks, it's the heart of how we are to behave. We love one another. But while love marks all believers in Christ and is something that comes with the gospel message that not only has Christ loved us, but we as his followers, therefore, are to love other believers. And it's been part of our lives since we were converted. However, this is not the case with non-Christians as John proceeds to tell us. We go back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. He's established that believers love one another. We've loved one another from the start of our Christian lives, but that's not the case with non-Christians. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now, since John has actually been speaking about Christians loving each other as brothers, where, where did we get that? Verse 10, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So he's been speaking in a brotherly way, loving one another as brothers. He now gives a negative example of a lack of brotherly love, of a brother who did not love his brother. And he does this by reaching back to the Old Testament story of Cain and Abel. It's found in Genesis 4. So why don't we, why don't we turn there? As you're turning there, let me say this. What John is saying is he tells us that we are not like Cain. Not like Cain, he says, who was of the evil one, meaning that he was just like Satan. He was a child of the devil whom Jesus said, speaking of the devil, that he was a murderer from the beginning. And the proof that Cain was just like his father, the devil, is that he murdered his brother, Abel. He murdered him. As Pastor Steve just quoted from Scripture, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So if we have eternal life, it's not possible for us to actually hate another child of God. We may get angry, 
but actual abiding hate isn't possible if there is genuine salvation. I'm glad you could tune in today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can learn more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. Pastor Steve has a special concern for those with visual impairments, and he would like you to know about a special offer, especially if you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind, and you'd like a free audio Bible for your digital player. Just call 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. That's 800-838-5924 or blindbibles.com. For more about Verse by Verse, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have hundreds of previous broadcasts available for downloading or streaming at no charge. And since we are dependent upon the generous listeners who give and pray to keep us on the air, we have a helpful page on our website in case the Lord is prompting you to become part of our support team. We praise the Lord for each of you. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. You know, those last few remarks by Pastor Steve about how we didn't really love other people before we were saved got me thinking. When I share my testimony, the contrast I usually give to illustrate the change Jesus made in my life is the assurance and confidence I now have, while before coming to Christ, I was insecure and unsure of the purpose of my life. But now that I think about it, I really didn't have a genuine love for my friends. My relationships were all about what I could get out of those relationships, not what I could put into them. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.